Hello and welcome to the West Road and Wesley Community Church Listen Again podcast. We are delighted that you're joining us. Our prayer is that what you hear today encourages you and builds your faith. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, so exciting to see some real people in the building. Not that the tech people are not real people, but normally it's just a camera, a couple of tech people, and that's it. So uh, thank you so much for coming this morning, and thank you for those who are joining us online as well. Just delighted to see you all, and thank you also for not eating all those chocolates I was handing out at the entrance. That means I've got a few things to go home with, which will be great, but just delighted that you can be with us, and thank you for joining us. As we're going to carry on with our series, as Emma said, we've got newfound freedoms. There's a new openness. What are we going to do with it? And I really hope that our following of Jesus Christ is just going to get deeper and more powerful and more impactful. And that's what this new series is all about. We've taken a little two-week break over Easter, trying to focus on those things. And of course, we had the wonderful baptism of Katie. Delighted to see Katie and the family here. See, she's kicking on in the things of God straight back in church a week after a baptism, which is great. And also we've had, you know, Zoom communions, online services, and egging your neighbor. There's been all sorts going on over the last two weeks. So we're just so excited that despite lockdowns, despite restrictions, God is still at work. And we're going to continue with this theme of God being at work by looking at this idea, this concept that we have a God who heals. We have a God who makes a difference. So uh, just going to focus on this in particular. Let's see if I can get the PowerPoint to work. There we go. In following Jesus, you will see his healing power. How? You might say, how, David? How? Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. How do we see his healing power? Well, as we look at those verses that Emma read for us, we're going to see it in the mix of people. We're going to see it in the mixed motives of people. And we're going to see it in the manner in which Jesus healed. There doesn't seem to be any limits. You can't seem to put Jesus in a box in terms of this aspect of bringing healing to people. And so just to get our grey matter working, as we're coming out of this pandemic-restricted time, what healing do you want to see? What healing are you praying for? What healing are you asking for? For yourself, for your neighbours, for the community, for the town? What areas of healing do we want to see God moving and working? Maybe it's a physical thing. Some of us have lost people during this COVID pandemic, haven't we? Some of us have lost our health. Some of us mentally were scared, were frightened, were scarred. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost relationships. Some of us emotionally we're in pieces just seeing on the news you know people just trying to see loved ones in care homes and things like that all these things have been taken away from us they've taken their toll so in all these areas can we turn to Jesus and say come on Lord Jesus please move and work in these situations this brings me on to this question healing Miracles? Really? David, we live in the 21st century. It's all about science now. We've got the answers. We've got the solutions. Do we really need God to move in miracles? You know, is it just myth? Well, actually, it is a little bit of myth because the reputation of Jesus of Nazareth was one of a miracle worker. It didn't matter whether you were an enemy of Jesus or you were a friend of Jesus. They all agreed that there was something special about Jesus that he brought healing into the situations he went into. He made a difference. He made an impact regardless. 
And then Jesus talks about his kingdom as well. He talks about heaven. And of course, what's heaven? It's a place without death, a place without disease, a place without tears, a place without pain. So it's obvious when you talk about Jesus, there should be an element in which there is healing involved. Because as you look back at his life and his ministry, he was a miracle worker, he was a healer. And then as we look to the future of heaven, it's all full of healing. So we shouldn't be shocked by this concept at all. But also, as we think about this, if I can get the PowerPoint to work, there we go. We're talking about being a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should see and experience some of this healing aspect in your life. But what does it mean to be a follower? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? This is the whole emphasis of this series. And over 200 times, that word disciple is used in the New Testament. And actually, as it put there, a disciple is disciplined for a life of learning in being present with Jesus, in becoming the person of Jesus, and being on the purpose with Jesus. These are the three elements. If you're to say, what is a disciple? I think it's all about being present with Jesus, becoming like the person of Jesus, and being on purpose with Jesus. This is what it really means to follow Jesus. It's great you're here on a Sunday morning, but this isn't discipleship, is it? It's just one small element of why we want to be with Jesus. We want to become more and more like him. Jesus loved us so much, he died for us, but he loved us so much, he doesn't want us to stay the same. He wants us to change and become more and more godly, more and more Christ-like. And of course, we've been left here with a task to reach other people, to make more disciples. And so this is what it's talking about when we think about this whole thing of following Jesus. And what we're going to do is we're going to dive into those verses that Emma read for us, particularly those last few, and we're going to turn to this biographical account by Luke. And it's an invitation account. Luke, as an outsider, he's not a Jewish guy. He wrote as an outsider, he wrote quite a scientific, historical account, so as to convince Roman governors that Jesus is the Son of God. And in a way, it's this invitation Come to Jesus, come and explore, come and see what Jesus is all about. And we're going to jump in on Luke chapter 6, where Jesus is going around, he's healing, he's doing so much good, but unbelievably, some people are beginning to kick against it. The authorities, the leaders of the day, they're realizing, do you know what, we can't control this Jesus guy. He is a threat to our authority, he's a threat to the status quo, he's a threat to our power, we need to do something about him. So already the resistance is coming against him. But that said, there is still the movement of the masses. People loved Jesus. He was an attractive person to be with. He was a person who was competent. He could make a difference. He lived up to his claims. And so we begin to see this clash here. There was the accepted traditional religion of the day. And then there just seemed to be this relationship offer that was coming from Jesus. And these things were clashing and banging heads. And this is where we begin to see this development of problems and difficulties for Jesus. And as part of his approach to deal with this, Jesus starts to put his team together. Surrounds himself with 12 disciples or apostles, as he named them. And so they were going to help him with the ministry because there's so many people interested in it. They were also going to provide some support and encouragement. And also they were going to be trained in the things of Jesus, because eventually Jesus was going to go back to heaven and he needed to leave the task to others. So that's where we're going to jump in. We're going to jump in at verse 17. Let's read these together. Jesus went down with the apostles and stood on a level place. 
A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. So as I was reading this, do you see the diversity? Do you see the mixture of people that have highlighted it in bold there? First of all, you see the apostles. They've been up on this mountain. They've been meeting as a small team, a small group with Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, enough teaching town. We need to get on and get practicing. Part of the way Jesus worked was not just teaching. It was also this idea of learn from me doing. If you like, the vision of Jesus was often caught as well as taught. So Jesus might teach about compassion, but he doesn't sit back there and say, oh boys, crack on with it. He walked and talked and demonstrated it. And as they drop down to this plateau area, he seen, begin to see him at work. So these apostles are now included in the work of Jesus. They've got this new title, this new role. But Jesus is saying, that's nice, but now we're going to get stuck into the work. Come and join me in the work. But of course, in terms of followers of Jesus, it wasn't just those 12. There was hundreds of others. It talks here, a large crowd of his disciples. So there were plenty of other followers in addition to the 12. They were excited to be with Jesus. They wanted to experience the healing and wholeness that Jesus was going to bring. So if you like, you had the full-time professionals, the apostles, then the people who were just excited and interested to be with Jesus. There was not one better than the other. They just had different roles. So it's exciting. You imagine that side. Jesus is coming down the mountain and just seeing this mass of people who loved him and followed him. And he's saying, come on, boys, let's get stuck in. Let's do some ministry. Let's see some healing there. And it wasn't just them. It talked about a great number of people. We don't know anything about these people in terms of where they were spiritually. It doesn't say whether they were disciples or followers or anything. Maybe they were curious. Maybe they were not. Maybe they were looking for something. Maybe they were not. We don't know. But we just get this picture of whether north, south, east or west, people came to meet with Jesus. And we get these two geographical locations, Judea and Jerusalem to the south. There's a mass of people come up there and travel to see Jesus from there. Strange, really, because what was Jerusalem? The city of God, the center of the Jewish faith. And yet, people left that behind to go and see Jesus. Clearly, they saw something different about him. Clearly, the impact of what Jesus was doing was so much better and bigger than what was going on with the religious activity in Jerusalem. People said, you know what, we're going to travel. Something authentic about this Jesus. And then he talks about these places, Tyre and Sidon. They're to the northwest on the coast. They're not religious at all. They're outside the people of God, Israel's location. Yet they still came for healing. They were renowned for merchants and trading and business people. Maybe they were on their travels and thought, oh, we'll divert and go meet this Jesus guy. Or maybe they just deliberately said, you know what, there's something about this guy. We need to know more. But I just love this. Do you see the sense of inclusion here? Jesus isn't saying, oh, you're not spiritual enough. I can't heal you. Jesus is saying, oh, no, you don't come from the right location. I can't do anything with you. There is none of that here. Jesus is including anybody and everybody who shows an interest and wants to come to him. How exciting is that? Does that shape your prayer life when you're thinking about people being healed? Or in the way we pray or the way we ask, we think, oh yeah, Jesus can heal him but can't heal her. Or they're very spiritual, definitely will heal them. But my pagan friend at work, oh, no chance of that. 
This isn't what is being represented here, is it? There just seems to be this beautiful diversity and inclusion that Jesus says, come on, you're all welcome. And somehow as the followers of Jesus, we've got to embrace this. A good friend of mine called Steve, who lived in London, he decided to embrace this. One of his uh, New Year resolutions was he wanted God to heal 30 people. That was his New Year resolution a couple of years ago. And Steve didn't care. He didn't know who the 30 people were, but he just went out with this attitude. Anybody I see who's sick, anybody I meet, I'm going to pray for them and let's see if Jesus will go to work. And it was embarrassing at times. You'd be walking through a park in London with him. I remember he saw a guy who was down on his looker, down and out. He was coughing and wheezing while sat on this bench. Steve goes, right, need to pray for him, David. So he diverted off, sat there on the bench next to this guy and said, look, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? And this guy was delighted. And over the year, he saw different people getting healed and cured. Some in church, some not in church. Some super spiritual, some not spiritual at all. But Steve just embraced seriously following Jesus and said, I can make a difference in this situation. He was excited about the possibilities of what Jesus could do. But of course, it wasn't just a mix of people. There was a mixture of motives as well. Verse 18 says, People had come to hear him, to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by impure spirits were cured. So three motives are identified here. Yes, some wanted to be healed. They had physical ailments in which they wanted to be released. Some were suffering spiritual oppression of some kind. Demon possession, demon oppression, demon sort of restrictions around them. They were struggling. They wanted to be liberated. But then there were those who wanted something more, more internal maybe. They wanted to hear the words of Jesus. So we see this lovely combination of motives. So if I was to ask you today, why have you come to church? Why have you come to church? Well, clearly it's not to wear masks, is it, and not sing, but there must be something going on on why you've come here. You could have sat at home in your pyjamas, couldn't you? But you've chosen to come today, which is fantastic. But again, this sense of welcome from Jesus, what our motives are, seems to be kind of not that important. Jesus is just delighted. People are there. Do you want to hear me? Well, I'm going to speak to you soon. Do you want to get healing? Well, I'm going to bring that. Do you want to be set free? I can do that as well. Jesus is delighted that people are just coming to connect with him in this way. And it's this combination, I would suggest, the ideal combination in terms of our motive as we dig deeper in the things of God and try and follow Jesus more and more is for healing and for hearing. It's a beautiful combination because it's a holistic approach to moving into all the things that God has got in store for us. Oops, jump too far there. There we go. So yeah, let's just think about these motives. Clearly Jesus is a miracle worker. There were some dangers. There were some things that he was wary of. At times, Jesus sort of did his healing in private, or Jesus healed people in a way, and he said, look, don't tell anybody. Why was he like that? First of all, he was concerned about superficiality. People just wanted Jesus so they could get a temporary fix. Jesus... I need some food. Could you feed 5,000 people? Jesus, I need healed up. I'm in a bit of pain here. Can you sort that out for us? Jesus, can you do this? Jesus, can you do that? He's a glorified vending machine for some people. And Jesus is nervous about that. 
But secondly, the whole religious hysteria. You can imagine today with social media and that, if you've got a miracle worker in your midst, it would go bonkers, wouldn't it? Well, to be honest, in their day, it was the same. Religious hysteria. The thing is, nobody disagreed that Jesus was a miracle worker, but Jesus did not want to be renowned for that. Jesus wanted to be renowned as the saviour of the world. Jesus wanted to be renowned as the Son of God. Of course, miracles came with it. But he didn't want to be seen as some kind of David Copperfield magician-type freak. He wanted people to know he was a God and wanted people to engage on that kind of level. But then thirdly, he didn't want people to miss out on the possibility of a change of thinking, that word repentance I put up there. A change of approach, a change of paradigm, a change of aspect. This is where the hearing is important. This combination of hearing and healing. Gear helps us tap into the fullness of God. Let me illustrate this as we think about whole COVID. This time last year, what happened this time last year? It was really the start of the whole COVID season, wasn't it? You were stuck at home probably for the first or second time watching church on TV. Everything changed. What, what were you praying this time last year? What was on your heart? What were you asking God for this time last year? If you're anything like me, you are praying for God to move and to work and to bring healing and a vaccination. That was my primary thought this time last year. Jesus, we're going to need a miracle here. This pandemic is impacting the whole world. We need you to move and stop it and to bring a vaccination in. Praise God, I think he answered our prayers. Now, I'm no medical scientist expert here, but I believe it is a miracle that we have the vaccination because never in the history of humanity has a cure come so quickly or a vaccination been developed so quickly and so widespread, distributed, not just in our country, but around the world. We hope and pray that will continue. So I believe God has answered our prayers. God has brought healing. But was there something else? Do you think God also wanted to speak to us as well as bring healing? Do you think God wants us to stop, pause and reflect? One person told me, one person said to me, David, this time feels like I'm a teenager again. I said, oh, what do you mean? Feels like I've been sent to my bedroom and to think about things. Did you ever do that with your kids or did that happen to you, the kid? Did you get put on the naughty step? I want you to go and think about what you've done, that kind of thinking. You know, this person was describing this to me and saying, you know, this is what God could possibly do in words. You need to have a bit of lockdown to stop and think about what you're doing when it comes to your Christianity. How can we reflect this? How can we hear what God is saying? And I, as I've just met with a number of church leaders over this last 12 months, I do believe God has been speaking to us. And I believe it's going to be an impact felt on this church as well as we've reflected and prayed over this. I believe that God has been saying to us, we need to make a church a lot more lightweight. We need to be more relational. We need to emphasize discipleship more. And we need to emphasize Jesus more. Sometimes we're all about, oh, we need to build our church. Do you know what? Building the church isn't our department. That is the department of Jesus. Jesus told us, go and make disciples. I'll look after the church. And yet sometimes church can be such a heavy burden. Get on 15 rotors. You need to help with this. You need to help with that. We need meetings here, there, and everywhere. And we're missing being relational like Jesus. We're missing connecting with people. We're missing a paradigm where God says, do you know what? I want church to be a lot lighter. 
so that you can help other people follow me, so that you can grow in me, so that you can connect. And as we look to bring our two congregations together under one name, this is going to be some of the emphasis under the Bridge Community Church. We want to be more relational, less programmatic, if you like. And I hope you'll see the benefits of that in these coming days. So yeah, what are our motives for coming for Jesus? Yes, we want healing. But what about hearing as well? And in these coming weeks, we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But of course, the manner of the healing. What's your view on healing miracles? You might say, well, David, it was just stuff that happened back then. It doesn't happen now. Or you might be saying, yes, it still happens now. Or maybe you might be saying, do you know what? I'm worn out. I've been praying like mad for a miracle and nothing's happened. How do we wrestle with this? How do we handle this? Verse 19 shows us what happened back then. The people all tried to touch Jesus because power was coming from him and healing them all. Amazing sight. Wouldn't you love to have been there? It's almost this electrifying picture. I, I don't know how this power was coming out of Jesus, but clearly something was going on there. Everybody, thousands, hundreds, maybe thousands of people reaching out to touch Jesus. Power coming out of him. And everybody who was there, no matter what they had, no matter who they were, no matter what their motives, they experienced healing and wholeness from Jesus. What an exciting time that was. And the problem is, as we look at that, we sometimes say, well, do you know what? It doesn't feel like that today. Some of us, some of us here, we've been struggling with physical disease, problems, struggles, issues. We've prayed like mad. We've had prayer meetings like mad. And we're just saying, do you know what? Jesus, you're still the physician. Jesus, you're still present. Jesus, you're great. Jesus, you're here. But why am I not being healed like then? We do have to say there is something unique about the time of Jesus, particularly those three years of ministry. Sure, we see miracles in the Old Testament, but there just doesn't seem to be the volume, the repetition, the variety that seems to happen in that unique period of Jesus. Even after the time of Jesus, yes, the apostles carried on many of these things, but as we look over church history, it wasn't normal that anybody and everybody experiences healing all the time like it seemed to be when they had an encounter with Jesus. So what's going on there? For me, it's a question of timing. Do you know what? If you're in Christ, you will be healed. There will be a day when every ailment, every problem, every difficulty you've got will be sorted out. It's a question of timing. Because when you die, you're going to get a new body and you're going to enjoy heaven with Jesus. So everything you've ever had a problem with is going to be sorted. I can't wait for that new body because all my old football injuries, do you know what, they ache and gripe and all the rest of you think, yeah, one day, new knees, new ankles, it's going to be great. But what's going on now? And I think this is where we've perhaps got to take the picture of those people reaching out to touch Jesus, saying, yes, Jesus, one day, one day we're going to be healed. But is there any chance of moving the timing forward and doing something now? This is perhaps the step of faith. We don't know if Jesus is going to bring that kind of healing now. We know he will in the future. But will he do something now is the challenge, isn't it? And our hearts of faith and our prayers of faith, just longing to see God move and work in a particular situation. I really do believe we will see God's healing power. The question is, is it then 
Or is it now? We're in this in-between phase, the now but not then. The kingdom came and it was special breakthrough time. But the kingdom is growing. The reign and rule of Jesus is happening. Let it be seen even over disease and healing today. So, I'm finishing. Call to action. What is God saying to you right now? So you've listened to these words. What is God saying to you about healing? What is God asking you to do? What's the challenge for this week, if you like? I've just put two things down there. First of all, will you reach out to touch Jesus? In a few minutes, we're going to kind of try and do that by sharing communion together as we think about the body and the blood of Christ, as we take those elements of bread that represent the body, the elements of wine or juice that represent the blood. In a way, as we take communion, we're reaching out and touching Jesus. Maybe through that, in his sovereign power, he'll move and bring some healing in some situation. But secondly, will we help others to experience his healing power? Will we do like Stevie from London? Will we be open to praying for people, to somehow just saying, do you know what, I think Jesus can make a difference in this situation. You know, so it's not just about me, my ailments, my problems. What about other people? Can we see a movement of God making a difference and bringing healing, especially as we come out of lockdown with all the physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial problems people are going to have as we come out of this? Are we going to pray with open hearts to see God move in this situation? Just two things that came to my mind, but perhaps God is saying something to you. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is nudging you in another area. But right now, I just want us to pause. I want us to think about the healing that Jesus brought when he went to the cross. Within our tradition, we try and celebrate communion each week here at this church. We try and take the bread as a picture of his body. We take the wine and juice as a picture of the blood that was poured out. If you like, this is our symbolic way of reaching out and trying to touch Jesus. Just look at these words. What was achieved at the cross? Was anything to be done for healing at the cross? Well, 700 years, even before Jesus came on the earth, Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. That was a predictive prophecy. Then Peter, one of the very best friends of Jesus, he then looks back in his letter in 1 Peter 2, 24. He said, he, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. I can even hear you through the masks. That's great. This is what Jesus has come to bring. He has come to bring healing. It's just a question of whether he's going to do it now or he's going to do it in the future. But he will heal you if you're a follower of Jesus. That's why I say with absolute authority, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will see and experience his healing. Because past and present point to it. So if you are able now, perhaps let's take the elements of bread. Talked about... Jesus being pierced for our rebellion, being beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped. This is a very physical attack on his body. So we take bread, we break it, which is a symbol of the sacrifice Jesus made. And of course then we take 
and we eat and we give thanks. And as you take this bread, as you eat it, can you embrace it as a symbol of reaching out to touch Jesus? Why do we want to reach out and touch Jesus? So we can be healed. Let's take the bread and eat. And so we take the cup. Clearly with that battering the body took, blood was shed. Blood, the symbol of a new agreement with God. Blood, the symbol that we are forgiven. This is what 2 Peter, 1 Peter 2 says. He personally carried our sins on his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. So yes, let's give thanks for the healing work of Jesus as we drink the cup together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you did at the cross. You took our place. We deserve the cross. We deserve that punishment. We deserve death. Instead of death being the end now, it's a transition into a new life. It's a transition into a life of healing, of wholeness, a new life of freedom, a new life of liberty, a place without pain, without tears, without death, without sickness and without disease. Jesus, we thank you that you've healed us and you've healed us wholly and completely. It's not just some sticky plaster temporary fix here. It's a complete whole new body we're going to receive one day. But we're conscious like now. Jesus, there's a number of people in this room living with a lot of pain. There's people watching in the online service who are having to handle a lot of pain, physical, spiritual, emotional, there's people who need to be set free. There's people who are sensitive. We need your healing. And what we've done today is we've reached out to touch you, Jesus. We've taken the bread symbolizing your body. We've reached out to touch your body. We've almost felt the blood trickle as we've drank from the cup. And Father, I'm asking and praying in your kingdom reign and kingdom rule, would you release your power to bring healing? Lord God, would you bring your healing? Would you give us a taste of the kingdom that is to come right now and bring healing and holding amongst us? Jesus, whatever physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, I, whatever it is, please bring your healing, Lord God. Bring comfort. Bring wholeness. Perhaps in the quiet we can bring names to mind who we know need your healing. People who are struggling. Let's bring these names before Jesus right now. Let's reach out on their behalf to Jesus. They bring his healing. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You achieved it all on the cross. 
Nothing more is to be done. All we can do is reach out and touch you and say, thank you, Jesus. We reach out and touch those feet as we drop to our knees and acknowledge that you are our Lord and our Master. And we ask, we pray again, bring your healing. For your sake, your glory, we pray. Amen. I believe we're going to have a worship song now. Had a little taster just then. Yeah. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So check us out on social media at West Road Church BSE or go to our website, www.westroadchurch.org.uk. Thanks for listening and have a great day.